One, two, three, four. My baby doesn't mess around because she loves me so. And yes, I know for sure. And that's our mic check. <laughs> Guys, welcome to uh, episode two of the Super Sass Brothers. Brothers. I'm Brian and that's Brett and we are Brett and Brian. This is the podcast dedicated to everything software as a service. And we're here to talk about our experience and hear your thoughts about what are the pros and cons of working in the SaaS space. So today we are going to continue what we started on the previous episode, which talk about a model for working with customers that Brett has come up with called the Air Model. So Brett, if you want to take from there and kind of walk us through that model again and then get us uh, set for what we're going to talk about this afternoon. Yes. And as a reminder, if you're looking for SaaS, snakes, an alternative snack that is over on our sister channel, <laughs> Eating Wild with Wild Kale. It's a great show. You should check in. I think that's Tuesdays at uh, 5.30 a.m. Yes. while he's driving to work. It is. <laughs> if he has good reception. And if he has a phone. That's it. Um, Brian, Brian mentioned Air. We touched on this last week. Uh, Air is meant to be an integrated acquisition and support model uh, based around having teams on the same page with unified goals about company growth, whether they're in marketing, whether they're in sales, support, retention, growth, etc. Um, treating those teams as if they're part of the same process as opposed to disconnected business units. Fair? No, I think that's perfectly yeah. fine. It's funny that when we talk about... Uh, so today we're talking about A, which is acquisition. Yep. And before we started this, so this, you know, this is March 31st, 2019, just to knock all that stuff out too. This is our second time doing this. We're going to get better. Also, quick shout out to Julio Pont de Jour. I mean, it's Pont de Jour, like Petite de Jour. <laughs> we, uh, he's our first subscribers. Thank you so much, Julio. But back to the A, we were spitballing it exactly where does A start? So both, I think you and I right now are in roles that sit kind of in the middle of uh, the customer's relationship with the company, right? Like, do we do onboarding and account management and get the customer effectively set up and then ready to rock and roll? Yeah, classic, like cross-functional role, not really tied to one of those teams, but part of all of them. That's exactly correct. But it's even for us, like at least for me, my day in the life isn't going out and finding a new customer, right? No. What happens to me is our, our sales team, they, they close the deal, we're excited, they then come to me and then we start getting that customer ready to roll and actually get them using the technology. So this A part, I think we both sat on the A side of the table for a little bit, but not as long as we've sat beyond it. It's, uh, it's an interesting thing to talk about because really we're reacting to only stuff that we've seen from it. Yeah, I think... Um and when Brian says limited, my, my sales experience is much more limited than Brian's, um, being that I was bad at it. Um, but, but that's about understanding where your skills lie and where you're good and bad. What I feel lacks in the whole acquisition environment right now as it relates to SaaS, and this of course is marketing and sales, is one, that marketing and sales are treated as two different business elements, you know, and as, as a team member that typically starts on the support or the onboarding side, seeing that sales and marketing don't even have alignment in terms of what they say, what they present, how they work, and that they're really built off two different metrics. You know, Something like demos attended is a really, really useful stat if your company really is closing a large amount of demos. You know, and something like new business acquired, of course, is going to be universal. Um, but why, why do those two teams get treated so differently, I feel like? I feel like they don't, they're nothing they, – they don't resemble each other. I don't know. I mean they are – their job is about – I mean, I think it's funny because marketing's job is, its depending on who you talk to in marketing, it changes. But to me, I think marketing is about interest generation. 
and again in the SaaS world, right? There's it's like a whole conversation is marketing and advertising different but marketing to me is the content and the way that you want to frame your company and the information that you want to disseminate through an, throughout an audience and how they should think about you and what you do and then sales to me is more so uh, the actual people that continue that story and make it real to a specific customer I, I had a conversation this week with uh, a friend that runs a, an agency here in town and we're talking about sales and marketing too and I uh I was fumbling through words as I am now, and I said that sales is the tip of the spear, but then I couldn't think of what marketing was. And you know, this is Chad, in case you're curious. He, uh, Chad kind of said, uh, and marketing is the one that throws the spear. And I love that representation because marketing is the one that defines like the messaging, or at least they should be, or at least in my experience of companies, that's what happens. But then sales is the one that has to champion it. Chael's the one that's actually going out there and taking that message and making it real for a customer. Let me, let me capitalize off the, our, our hunter analogy with the spear and this yeah. person throwing it. Do all products need a spear? So let me stop because all products obviously need something, some mechanism, someone to initiate the action, but whether it's a spear or a trap or simply an invitation, everyone, the guy, the thing is necessary, but is the spear always necessary? I think I think something needs to propel growth, and I think that's what the the model there represents is that at the end of the day, sales isn't even the spear; it's the tip of the spear, right? So when you say, I think when sales is on the rod, it's a spear, and then marketing just be throwing something. But I think what you're going for is is the the throw the right tactic, or can you put a trap out and capture someone? And I think the answer is yes. You can, you know, people talk about gated content all the time, right? Like, oh, come to my site and fill out the form. And, and if done right, it's it's so effective. But at the end of the day, even getting people to step in the trap, don't you have to lead them there? I think it depends. Can I give you my, uh, and this is one of the points I want to touch on with you. Can I give you what I think my four components necessary to a certain degree are for a, a, a SaaS sale, like what you actually 100%. need to need a sale? So I've got one. There needs to be some sort of product or service complexity. If, if your thing is so great, it turns red boxes to blue. I don't need a salesperson to walk me through red to blue. But if your product is complicated, you might need a salesperson to actually explain to you what it is. Is it just the product being complicated or is it the, the concept or process? Because we, you know, we talk larger companies have more... Uh, complex products. I think where both you and I are at, the product is complex, but really what the value it brings to a customer is pretty clear. But explaining that to them, is that more, is that in the sales side too? So it's not, maybe the product is very straightforward. Well, the process. But the process of how they actually get value from it is not. So wouldn't we say like the uh, the concept or the process is just as important as the product? 100% agree. And I think I could just add product, service, or process to yeah. that. Um, but that, yeah, 100% agree that those are both things. That's one. Uh, two. If there are competitors, if you're in a, if you're in an absolute, I believe it's called Blue Ocean. I think Jose was the first person to tell me the Blue Ocean market where you're selling a, a product or a service that no one else does. That's different. But if there's a HubSpot to your Sharp Spring, even if your product or service is explained really well, you're probably going to need to. That's where you know. That's I think that I feel like that traditionally is what people think of the sales. Like that's the, that's their idea of sales is selling against something else. Competition. Yeah, it's funny because it's a. Uh... That's an interesting analogy. So HubSpot and Charstring are both marketing automation providers if folks aren't familiar with those two platforms. And uh, in the CRM space, there's there's tons of different competitors, right? 
But I don't know. I, I really, I, I don't know if I really would think that there's a company that could run without a sales team selling. And I'm not sure if competition is the thing that makes the sale happen because let's, when I was at Preview, for example, so Preview, we did uh, augmented reality software for live events. And we found that we weren't just selling people a new thing because it was, it was brand new. We were selling, again, inc- selling against incumbent solutions that solved a similar problem. So when we were doing the information exchange pitch, right? It's like, oh, instead of business cards or flyers, scan this QR code effectively and then boom, you have someone else's contact information and see it. There's tools, there's cool called uh, Poken right now that does that in the event space. So when we talk about the competition, it's not just uh, – like lateral competition, I don't even know what the appropriate word is, but it's something else that's not your same thing that solves a similar problem. Got it. There, so that, that that probably gets into my next one. Which is, uh, and let me know which is if there's an upsell opportunity. Yeah. Because that what it bleeds into is not so much that you're selling against someone else, but this is number three on the list. So guys, we have product, service, competition, or process. Thank you. Or process complexity, competition, and then number three is upselling opportunity, which is meant to be broad. Because Brian just said, it's on. It's a, it could simply just be my paper is double lined. Well, I sell a new college rule. I'm not having to invest in the idea that paper is useful and necessary. I'm having to rework your understanding of why having a closer rule is going to be more beneficial to you. So, definitely not reinventing the thing. I'm I'm me a few weeks ago with the. I love that analogy by the way. College rule versus standard rule paper. Yeah. It's wonderful. I was uh, I was a few weeks ago. Brian got a uh, automatic. Uh, Lock door door yeah. door lock door lock. I think it's the appropriate term. Door lock. Locks the door. Locks the door. <laughs> um, and I really liked it. And yeah, it's like a hundred bucks. And is this is this like the the product plug? Do we know what it's called? I don't know. It's something I bought at Lowe's for a hundred dollars. It's a plug for Lowe's. <laughs> Lowe's. We're shopping, shopping is a pleasure. pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Publix. <laughs> we got to pull it back. <laughs> And anyway, my, it was an easy decision for me simply because Brian's product was so much better than what I had, which was a door I never locked. So to all the people in Gainesville from 2014 until 2018 who didn't rob me. Ah. <laughs> except for you, Dylan. Except for you, Dylan. And you didn't take anything except Brian's heart. Yeah. Getting back on point, if we can. If there's an opportunity to get back on point, we're going to throw a Hail Mary towards it. What I was getting at is that depending upon how much better your product is or how easy it is for your customer to understand that value, I go, you definitely need sales for the upsell, which was I think was the point you were already getting at after the comments about competitors. You nailed it. It's funny to me. Uh, I don't mean to keep stopping you, but I think we're having a good conversation between these four. I uh, That just made me think of something I haven't thought about in a long time is, do you think there's still companies that don't upsell? Or does every company have some sort of upsell opportunity? I think I feel like I've seen. Is there one company that sells one thing and that's it? I was gonna say I was gonna so give me this and throw it back. I feel like I've seen tools and this is I can't name one that have introduced themselves as being simpler versions of other tools. So they're not upselling. They're so much more indicating that they do one thing really good that they don't have to worry about someone else. The tool I'm thinking of right off the bat is Noveler. For the story that I just bought, yeah. a noveler costs money, but it directly indicates what it does better than Google Docs, which is allow you to more easily set up things in nested formats, which you'd have to handle with like titles and things like that to bounce through it. It goes, it's easy to navigate throughout your book. Is it nine ninety nine a month? Absolutely. Also, we'll dim the screen if you tell us to when we're writing. But I like that. I like it too. It, but it's just there's a free tool. There's also Evernote. Maybe is free. There's a tool I pay for simply because all it told me was here's why I'm a little bit better. I, but I like that. Or no, to the other point. Here's what I do a little bit differently. I guess. I guess that's. I mean, that's that's a great example of something like upsold. You want a free version. 
I don't know. We should flag that for a different podcast. I think that's an interesting topic. Do people of, still upsell. Or I, I think. I think in every industry, I think just knowing how to upsell and cross sell and analyze a customer is an interesting thing. But I'm getting us way off track. What's the fourth one? Fourth other list, and again, product, service, or process complexity, competitors, upselling opportunity. The fourth one I have here is contract or payment hurdle to overcome. Yeah. Because if your if your tool costs anything more than nothing in 2019, the first thing someone is going to do is think about, do I get any ROI from using this or is it worth it? Um, and that, that's, that is probably the part of the sale that I identify most with from the sales as something that I have trouble with. Like I would have trouble with that um, during the sale. Can we repeat those four just to make sure everyone gets them because we kind of yeah. had a good conversation. But these are the four, you said four items that make up a SaaS sale. These are the four little little pieces of, of data or idiosyncrasies that are needed to require a salesperson for a SaaS company. Okay. Um, product or service or process complexity, whatever it might be. Competitors or really just competitive landscape, which is very closely, as Brian indicated, tied to upselling opportunity. So not so much selling against something, but having to enhance or differ the market idea about what you're selling. And the number four, which near and dear, any time of contract, payment, funding, hurdle, whatever it might be. That is the not three? It was, you only said three. Uh, product or service or process complexity. Uh-huh. Two, competitors. Yep. Three, upselling opportunity. Got it. Four, contract or payment hurdle. So CCUC. Yeah. So complexity, competition. Yes. Yep. Upsell. Yep. Why don't we just call it cross-sell, though? It's the four Cs. Okay. Cross-sell. Cross-sell, upsell, same thing. Oh. So complexity. complexity competitors. Competition. Yep. Opportunity. <laughs> and then uh, – Contract. Contract. I think those – so the four Cs of the SaaS sale, the four Cs of the SaaS S, the four Cs of the SS. All right. Oh. We got it. Ready for the four Cs? <laughs> the four Cs of the SS has come up here on the Super SaaS Brothers podcast. Complexity. I think com- – I, th- I love it. I think complexity, competition, cross-sell, upsell – and then contract. Yep. I love. I think I love. I love that because it's an interesting way. Now we're not saying that companies don't need someone to be in charge of acquisition. Look at look at wait, the way cross sell looks when you write it as one word. Should have a slap. Uh, stupid. Yeah, it's, it's too many double S's. <laughs> Three in S's in a row. Hey, uh, if you want to be part of an interactive podcast, go somewhere and write C R O. S-S-S-E-L-L. That's funny to say, too. But you didn't pick up on it. It was Super Sass Brothers. Oh, Super Sass Brothers. That's what's funny. Oh, now you guys get the joke. (laughs) But uh, so it's – I love that. I love the four C's of the Sass sale. And again, I know we've said it now so many times, but we're going to push it into you. We've got one. Complexity. We got two. Competitors. We got three. Crosell. Crosell. And we got four. Contract. Well, now, if you have a company, I, I love some interaction here. So you can get us at brian at brettandbrian.com or brett at brettandbrian.com. If you have a, a different C or a different reason you think that there should be sales in a company it, directly in charge of it, we'd love to hear it. And I think that's, I think those were four great statements they had in it. So kind of shift a little bit back to the A and acquisition. So outside of those four, requirements for getting a salesperson. I am curious if you could share a story because where you sit right now is you are the person that's responsible after a sale happens to make sure they, one, are correctly using the tool and two, are best set up to stay with you forever. I want to hear two things from you. One, I want one example of something that 
a salesperson can do really, really well to pass a deal to someone in a similar role as you at their company. And then two, I want a story of something that went very wrong so we can learn both ways. And you can start whichever one is more fresh in your mind, but I want those two stories from you. Yeah, I think the the best thing that someone who's in an implementation or onboarding role can do is make sure that the team and the entire sales team understands that we're on the same page, that I want everything to get started and up and running. It's good for the business. Something that went really well recently is this this, this shift in my job where people are beginning to realize that there aren't just good customers, there are people you shouldn't sell. And, and the notion that every person you might get on a demo with or, or talk to or be introduced to as a good partner is is, is kind of false. Um, there's been a nice little, little uptick in people realizing that good partners cause less problems, they get up and running faster, it makes everything work really well. So that's, that's something that, that, that needs to happen, I think, is mm-hmm. everyone understanding that you're on the same page. Um, I think a lot of people get hired in sales or onboarding implementation or support roles, and there's no part of their onboarding where someone tells them that, hey, you actually work together. So we'll say uh, having similar goals and similar mindsets is, is super useful. The time that things can go wrong, um, and, and it's super simple, it's different to tell someone <clears throat> enough so that they know it. it. It's always, you can't come back from a really bold-faced lie. Um, if something happens in sales and, and we can't get to it, it, it's one of those difficult things. But no, no specific situations, but kind of just abroad. It's always it's always tough when people don't say the same things. I think a lot of that comes with a, a clear organizational vision. I've found myself on the defending side of sales often, and honestly, in conversation that you and I have, just because I, like I've done sales and I know that sometimes you're incentivized to you're incentivized to sell, right? And a good deal seems super clear to everyone post-sale, but during sale, it's anyone that's willing to listen to and pay for what you're doing. I don't know. It's, it's like this idea of validation, right? Like even if they're a bad deal, the 2% chance or the 1% chance that when they come in, they actually open up a new market of customer because of how well it works. I wonder if that's worth bringing in bad deals because if you think about it, like I, I'm going to go back to – to Sharpspring, right, who, who sells to marketing agencies. And, you know, I don't know the full story there, but who's to say that they didn't attempt to sell direct and then throw out a conversation with an agency that said, okay, we'll give you an agency license. And then, boom, they find their competitive advantage by doing something different. I think my favorite one ever, and this is, a, we're doing shout outs, right? Big, big and small businesses, could be small businesses. I, I think at this point, we're, you know, we're yeah, shout out to Charles Chadwick at CNC Realty. <laughs> I wish I could remember the partner, but one of my favorite things that occurred after after my onboarding process, because Charles is nothing if not a wonderful, not quite silver, not quite fox. But he's a fox. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Uh, but I got a great comment because he had built such a great relationship with with the customer at the end of our implementation process, which was, well, if Charles doesn't tell us all those lies, we wouldn't have bought. But you know, we like you now. <laughs> It's, it's funny, like, I, I think about this often, especially being, you know, Admiral is, is smaller. It's the smallest, I think, company I've been with, it, which is super exciting. But uh, I, I think about, about the four-person uh, tanker with the world team. Oh, yeah, and Preview, too, which is also small. So I guess this is the middle-sized company. All right, I, I have a couple things. I, here's the, I have a good question for you I want to ask. What's a, this is for everyone. This is a good pay-attention moment for those of you only not paying attention. And uh, what's your favorite tool that – do you use now, or maybe you don't use, but you use that before you used it, you didn't even know a tool like it existed? It's a great question. Uh, I have two. I think you'll both agree with the two I have for myself, but I was hoping. 
Hmm. The tool that I did not know existed. So. That you never even knew that a tool I could um, – and I was thinking software, but it could be anything. I'm going to give you a non-direct answer because I want to hear what you say as an example. Okay. Because my two favorite tools right now are Toggle because I'm a, I'm a time management Nazi for myself. Because I like you didn't to think optimize. A time management tool existed. Like even... no, I did. I knew time management tools. So that's existed. I was saying the tool we didn't even know existed. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't okay. know what I, to answer. I have because okay. my favorite tool is Toggle, then Airtable for organization. But I knew I know PM tools exist. Can I name my first one? Yes. Directly related to pretty much uh, some of the the times I got to seem like I was way smarter than I was. MX Toolbox. Yes. Had no idea in the entire history of the world that that for having having sent emails for most of our youth. You know, whether signing up to, to forums on game winners, <laughs> you know, to signing up on other forums, on other sites. <laughs> Final Fantasy VI was hard, guys. Angel, <laughs> Angel Fire Angel. websites. <laughs> uh, did not even know that that was being tracked. Two, let me give my second one, and I'll, that's just helped too. And, and this is another one where I suddenly felt like I was the smartest person in many rooms I got to walk into for years, built with. <laughs> I, mean, I had no idea it existed in a I, million years. I remember when I learned about Built With, man. It was actually Corey Franco. Shout out to you. Corey and I were sitting in the Sharp Spring Firestone building, and he's like, hey, man, you got to use this website. I'm like, oh, cool, and it scrapes it. Yep. It tells you everything people are using. If, you, if you're in any kind of SaaS role where your job is selling like internet sales, like you're selling something that actually goes on someone's website, whether it's an analytics module or, or marketing tool or – like there's pop-ups that happen say use the tool built with because you'll see if they're using something like a competitor today you'll understand what their stack looks like and or if they're lying to you too oh you know we partner with the highest brand technologies like you Google careful what you say <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> anyway take a moment to think about the software because here's what i'd rather us do first i want you to give me your best Corey nickname doesn't best have to be Corey real franco nickname i have mine James Franco. <laughs> Corey James Franco? No, just James Franco. Okay. Oh, just Franco. So I'm something. Corey, the caveman. <laughs> I love Corey, man. He, uh, the caveman. Corey, shout out to you for inspiring our the end of podcast discussion on the episode two. So guys, we're at 20 minutes and 41 seconds. If we promise this is to our best of our ability. No, I've got it's one be a more. 20 minute podcast. I know. We'll cut some other stuff out. I've got one last thing I really like Stick to do. It. Uh, I had I was originally trying to put together a quiz for Brian about job descriptions for different sales uh, roles that have been posted on Indeed. Which sounds like a great thing to say for episode three. But I've got one I want to finish on because I have a silly one that was shorter. <laughs> now, if we couldn't get to it, I've got a quick one. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Quote, you tell me, is it Brian Halligan or is it a Michael Scott or The Office quote? <laughs> Innovation. Who's Brian Halligan first? Sorry. Brian Halligan is HubSpot's uh, CEO. CEO? Founder? Uh, he's one of the – it's him and uh, – Spells it with an I. Excuse me. He's an I, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Bastard. Yep. Uh, why? Why Brian's Brian? Yeah. Okay. All I need here is HubSpot or The Office. Love it. Ready? Innovation. Imagine the future and fill its gaps. HubSpot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fear's what it's all about. You cannot sell while undergoing fear. Michael Scott. No, it's Dwight, but it's, yeah, give it to you. Oh, Dwight? Oh, oh, sorry. It's an office quote. You got to match the way you market and sell with the humans actually shopping by. That's a HubSpot quote. Yep. <laughs> but that would be great said by Michael Scott. Oh, my God, Brett. We should make memes with HubSpot <laughs> quotes on Michael Scott and then Michael Scott quotes. That's what we're doing. Oh, what's this, this one? Uh, you got to unlearn what you have learned. Oh, that's Michael Scott. That's Brian <laughs> <my> Hogan. <laughs> 
What was that again? You've got to unlearn what you have learned. Oh, God, I love that. <laughs> you miss a thousand, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Ryan Halligan. <laughs> you can't outspend the Giants, but you can outthink, outteach, and outhelp them. That's HubSpot. Yep. <laughs> That's a great quote. I don't know if well, I, oh, this, okay. is, this is going to be a recurring segment. <laughs> Just because you are the loudest doesn't make you right. Host spot. Yeah. <laughs> These are great, though. Stand the club. Yeah, guys. Uh, man, if you check out the Brett and Brian site sometime this week, there's going to be... We'll do, we'll do a bunch of uh, host spot memes. There's a lot of beauty <laughs> in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? Oh, that's Michael Scott. No, it's Pam Beasley. <laughs> Damn. I would like the game that if... Okay, that's it. It's a great game. Yeah. It's a great game. I do have any more? Let me see. The people that... Wait. The people that you work with are, when you get down to it, your very best friends. That has to be Michael Scott. And that's Michael Scott himself. Oh, hell yeah. So go and end on it. Uh, if you believe that... <laughs> Guys, thanks for tuning in for uh, episode two. It's crazy. I think there's so much that we didn't cover that we're going to go next episode next episode we're going to do a game called uh job descriptions where brett's going to read job descriptions and i'm going to guess for what company and what job title and uh, i'll probably so if you're in the uh if you're an hr team member in the uh within the a couple of time zones of 32601 yep. uh update those resumes you guys know the deal click lick subscribe no <laughs> It's not good. Uh, follow us. You can find us at supersashbrothers.com. Cut this out. 438. We're going to cut that out. Uh, next week, we're going to continue talking about the air method. We're going to go into the I, which is implementation. We're going to cover a few other topics. If you have things you want us to talk about, uh, email us. I'm Brian at brettandbrian.com. That's brett at brettandbrian.com. Brett, closing remarks. You slid that paper across the table. All right, sports fans. We will see you next week, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Insert music.